man, my whole life has come to this moment. No, it's kind of funny, but seriously, like I thought about that this morning, like really my whole life has led to this very moment. In fact, yours has too. And I know that's obvious, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, wow, I'm giving him a minute to catch my, catch my voice. But the more I thought about that, the more I was like, wow, I'd like to take pause and think about what that means. That means that every person that I interacted with this morning, you and my parents, my wife, my kids, every moment led me to this moment, right? Everything, it's obvious, it's, it's pointed, but... I just thought, how incredible is that, that every moment has brought me here to tell you that God loves you. He's brought me here to tell you that God's ready to set you free from some things like he set me from, free from some things. I think it's interesting that he used a donkey to tell some people some things in the Bible so he could certainly use me, and that means that he could certainly use you as well. Um, I got some nice shoes on here this morning. It was this, when I was laying in bed, I thought, man, maybe I should wear my nice black shoes. Again, still giving him some minutes, so let me tell you this little story about my daughter. And uh, I realized that, one, I don't dress up near enough, and two, I need to teach my daughter how to give compliments. Uh, so I'm laying, in bed, <laughs> I'm laying in bed, and I was like, man, maybe I should wear my nice black shoes today, clean them up, you know, do something. And I was like, no, that's ridiculous. I don't wear them any other Sunday. Why would this be any different, right? Well, then I realized maybe it was the Lord telling me that I needed to think about wearing these shoes because my other shoes had stains all in them. They were wet. They were not ready to be worn. So I told Steph, I tried a few things, and she's like, well, maybe you should wear the black shoes. I was like, okay, Lord, wearing the black shoes. (laughs) So I put on the shoes, and then (laughs) Logan's like, why are you wearing those shoes? Those are fancy. And I was like, well, I'm not dressing up enough. I'm just not. Like once a year is not going to cut it. Man, guys, I'm excited. I'm excited about what the Lord has been doing in my heart. Uh, The last couple weeks, as I've been preparing for this, uh, I had a lot of it on digital on my phone, and I decided to go old school. So I used the stained, coffee-stained papers in the back of my journal to continue the the note writing this morning and to put them all in order uh, in the way that I felt like the Lord was sharing with me. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read our scripture first, and then we're going to just pray and ask the Lord to direct us where we're going. Uh, We're going to start in Matthew 4. If you want to turn there, we're going to read 18 through 22. So actually, if you don't mind, can we just stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? I know we've been up and down. It's just something I really like. I like when we read the Bible and we just stand for it. So uh, because I have the microphone and you don't, we're going to stand. <laughs> Matthew 4, 18 through 22. Man, God wants to do some things today. I'm excited. God wants to do some things. Matthew, 18, Matthew 4, 18 through 22. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw the two brothers, James and John, sitting on the boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them to come. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. Man, Dad, I'm glad you're here today, by the way. My dad's here. I'm glad. Uh, so we're gonna, while we're still standing, we're going to read another passage just so I can come back to him. And uh, that's going to be in Luke 22. So just bear with me. I know this is a lot of reading and probably the most Bible reading some of you have done in a while. Uh, that's not meant to be mean. That's just honest. I'm just being real. Uh, oh, sorry. Is that too real? Is that too real? All right, here we go. Uh, this is Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 38. Uh, man, 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 man. Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. This is also Peter. We just discussed that. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayers for you that your faith should not fail. So when, so when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I am ready to go to prison for you and even to die for you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out to preach good news and did not have money, traveler's bag, pair of sandals, did you need anything? And they said, no. But now, take your money and the traveler's bag, and if you don't have any sword, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For it is time has come for this prophecy for, about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. On another version, it says criminals. Yes, everything written about me by prophet will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords, and he says, that's enough. And lastly, in our text, we're going to go to John 21. Man, man, man. You know why he had to be around, among criminals? It's so that people like me could have a, have a word, so, people, so he could use people like me who were broken and, and failures. Anyway, that's my opinion on that. Later, Jesus, again, this is chapter 21, just the verse 1 through 12. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several days, several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel, Cana of Galilee, and the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. Let, so they went out in the boat, and they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Throw your nets on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. That's good. Let's stop. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much that it is coming alive in us. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to convey what you have been pouring into me for years, for every moment leading up to this one. God, that we might hear from you and understand your calling your love, your support in the good times and in the bad. As we celebrate Memorial Day, help us to remember who it is that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, man, so like I said, I've been super excited about some of the things God's been doing in my heart. And uh, those were the three scriptures that I really just landed on uh, via some other pastors that I was listening to, because that's how it works, by the way. Um, especially somebody who doesn't do this all the time. I listen to people who do because I want to get an idea of what that, what that looks like. I knew that, uh, I knew that the Lord had given me something to share with you, and a lot of it has to do with my own personal story and how I ended up here on the stage with a mic talking to you uh, about the things that the Lord has spoken. Um, and so as I was preparing some of those things, uh, this is where I landed. And like I said, I was watching some people who did this well and uh, who spend a lot of time talking to people in front of people and sweating and all the things that come with it, like nerves and not getting and doing mic checks in front of people and all the, all the little things that are, are, are adding up. I think it's interesting that we're going to go back and start a little bit in this calling part, man, uh, where Jesus is calling his disciples. I just think it's interesting. He had already, he had already met Peter. He had already met Peter and Andrew at one other time. It says in John chapter 1, like verse 35 or something. It says that he already talked to them. 
But when this particular time came and Jesus said, hey, come follow me, put down your nets. Like, I can't imagine. Part of me is like, what are you talking about? He just came up and said, hey, come follow me. Like, really? Like, you're just going to drop everything and go follow Jesus. And I think, like, it's interesting because a lot of us, maybe, maybe some of us here, I feel like we've done that. Maybe some of us here feel like, well, I don't know. I don't feel like that's too big a deal. Peter was like, he had lots of boats. He didn't just have one. He had several. Like, he was a fisherman. Like, he knew what was going on. And I can't imagine that he was super stoked about <laughs> fishing for men, you know? Like, that doesn't seem like it. Uh, I, I just can't imagine, because it says that he walked for a while and then found some more people. And I can't imagine that uh, while they were walking that they didn't have some questions like, what does it mean to fish for men? Like, that's weird. Well, I can tell you this. I think that at that moment, there was a season in my life where God called me to do some things. God called me to Bible school. God called me out of some gross stuff, some frustrating stuff, which I'll get to in a little bit. But there was a lot of that time where I just didn't know what I was doing. I just said, okay, God. And I've had to look back at it, and man, I was arrogant. Man, I had some things that I had to work out, but that's okay, because Peter did too. So some of us know this calling, this calling to follow Jesus. Some of us know it really early. And some of us don't discover a purpose until we have discovered grace. And that I found really interesting and profound because I feel like my love for you guys is why I'm able to do this. And, and I didn't used to, I, I, to look at back where I was a year ago and to look at preaching a year ago here is, these are great memorials for me, right? This sets, sets some, some peg marks for me to look at. Where I was a year ago is much different than where I am today, right? And it should be. Preparing for this message was much different than preparing for a message I spoke a year ago. The way I parent today is much different than I did when we had one. Now we have four, and I parent differently. That's how it should be, right? That's, that's the relationship, and every person that we come in contact with has a part to play in that. Uh, so I just think it's interesting. As we talk about Peter, and we go to Luke, and we look at this account, Peter's been called just like most of us. Man, 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 man. So I was thinking about this. Let me, tell, let me tell you this story first. To connect the dots a little bit, I'm going to use Lion King. Why? Because I'm a stay-at-home dad and I have four children. Uh, so I'm going to use Lion King because I feel like it's such a great just depiction. Uh, so everybody knows the story. Well, I would assume. Maybe not. Maybe you don't have kids or, you know, whatever. Maybe you've never found yourself sitting in front of Lion King. Uh, <laughs> but... When Simba struggles with this, Scar comes up and he's like, well, dude, you got to like get out of here. You got to run. You're responsible for killing your dad. You know, and he like spins this whole lie, right? Is anybody picking up on this? Already some correlation here. Some of us have been told some lies that have kept us bound and in bondage for a long time. I've spent way too long of my life being bound up in chains and not telling anybody about the things God has done for me. Some of us have been twisted and turned. Anyway, whew, come back to it. So... Simba gets this, he gets all riled up, right? He's like, you got to get out of here. And I remember the hyenas were like, if you come back, we're going to kill you. You know, so then they go lie to Scar, say he's dead, right? I don't need to walk you through the whole thing. I'm just trying to piece it together for you, just in case there is somebody who hasn't seen Lion King. <laughs> so he goes, and he meets some friends, and they akuna matata him into, into some awesome, you know, swimming and partying and hanging out at the beach or whatever they call it, the forest and the little oasis and uh, eating bugs and talking about gas in the sty. And um, my buddy can do some really great impressions, by the way, but that's a side note. That doesn't matter much. But so then he still has a call. He still has a calling on his life. 
right? He's still supposed to be king. And when he first got the call, he was super excited. Dad, 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 show me the kingdom, right? You remember this. You're following me here. He's excited about this calling. So maybe Peter was stoked. Maybe this was so new to him. Maybe he was just so excited about what God was doing in his life that maybe he was so fired up about this that it was ready to do whatever Jesus asked him to do. Maybe that was the case, much like Simba. But then some things happen. Dad dies. He feels guilty. He feels responsible, and shame bounds him up and causes him to run. I've spent too much of my life running. Maybe you have too. So he goes out. He meets. Then Nala comes, this old, old relationship, comes back to remind him of who he is, right? But he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. So first, you know, he's like, no, I can't. I can't. So he runs off, and then here comes the monkey, which I love the monkey. I love the monkey. This is in my notes, monkey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I'm having fun up here, guys. I really am. It's just taking me a minute to collect my thoughts and collect myself to tell you how much God loves you and how much he wants to use you. Uh, So anyway, monkey comes up, graffiti, graffiti, graffiti. You follow graffiti. He know the way. Uh, Yeah, see? Told you. Kids. Lots of Lion King. So he comes up. Well, he knows something different. He said, yes. He says, but, but I have a past. I have a history. I'm broken. I've done this. I've done that. Man, come on. Jesus said to Peter, follow me here. Luke 22, first verse of 30, or 31 that we read. Satan has asked to sift you, but I, verse two, 32, I have pleaded and prayed for you, Simon, that, when your, that your faith should not fail. So that when, so that when. You have repented and turned to me again? (laughs) Oh, man. Strengthen your brothers, guys, so that when we step into our calling. God knows so much. I love that song that talks about how much he loved me while I was still a foe. Oh, man. Come on. Like, he was able to endure the cross. He was able to endure the cross knowing, knowing that Peter was going to deny him. It says that Peter made eye contact with him after the rooster crowed. Like, how ate up is that? Like, dang. You know? Dang. After, so that when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brother. So Simba had some things to decide. Rafiki says that, uh, he says, yeah, but it's in the past. And so he's working on some restoration, right? Simba goes home, has to deal with his past. All right, I'm done with Lion King. Walked you through the Lion King process of my sermon. But it's important, right, to pick up pictures because I can tell you so many times in my own life. Let me tell you, right before I went to Bible school in 2004, I had, uh, and this is going to be, man, this is hard, this is so hard to share, but pastor set me up nicely because he, uh, he talked a little bit about Philip and Philip's response to Jesus. Jesus is from Nazareth, right? And he was like, what good comes from Nazareth? So I thought, well, I'm from Fort Scott. What good comes from Fort Scott? People say that all the time, sadly. So it set me up nicely and I just decided like, Lord, this isn't, this isn't about myself. This isn't about this isn't about making myself look good. This is about letting you do what you want to do. And this is about letting you use the things that I've walked through, those deep valleys, those hard times, those struggles, those sins, those mistakes that have ended up in heartbreak. They, those have taken me to a place of understanding grace that I can look out at you and say, I love you. I, don't, I may not like all the things that you do. In fact, we might not be best friends just because I don't like your personality. <laughs> but I love you. And I want God to love you. And I want, God to, I want you to know that God loves you. Like, right? Like, why? Because I understand grace. All of a sudden, I understand who God has called me to be. I, I think I was texting my buddy Caleb. I think we were talking, and I said, shouldn't I understand grace more than anybody else? Yet I'm the first to judge. 
man, I have been through so much junk. Like, shouldn't I just be full of grace and forgiveness? Goodness, people have given me so much. But man, I still got to work through it. And this week, as I spent time with the Lord, it's kind of like those, uh, those annoying people, uh, those really sweet couples that get engaged, and then they're like, ooh, and they're like, hey. oh, sorry, I didn't mean to look right at you, Taylor. Taylor, I'm having fun. Uh, <laughs> Pastor did text me this morning. He said, have fun up there. I said, okay. <laughs> you told me to. And now I told you that he told me to. But you know, that couple that's like just freshly engaged, and man, they're fresh in love, and they're like, man, they got so much to say about each other, and all they want to do is talk about each other. I'll be honest with you, that's how I feel this week. Why? Because all I want to do is talk about what the Lord's been doing in my heart. All I want to do is talk to you about how much God has showed me through Peter, and this idea that he knew, he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. He knew it, right? And when, when things get tough, here's what it gets crazy. When things get tough, we quit believing in the things that God's done. I was reading, when we were singing that song this morning about stepping out on a boat, let's go out here. Let's go back to John. Let's get back here. Let me pull myself in a little bit. So we get back here to John where he's talking about, and I stopped at verse 7. It's the Lord. Then the disciples loved and said, Peter, it's the Lord. So John said, it's the Lord. He recognized him. Peter didn't even recognize him. Peter didn't even know it. It was John that said that. It's the Lord. I don't know how about you, but I need people to tell me where the Lord is sometimes. I need people to point it out. I need people to say, that's the Lord, because I just miss it. Why? Because I'm focused on my own pain, my own selfishness, my own frustrations, my own failures, my own money problems, my own friendship problems. Like, that's where I end up focusing, and I totally miss the Lord. So I need people to point him out. John says, it's the Lord. Peter's already stripped down because he's naked. It says that when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. Jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the load and net back to shore. And they were about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Man. Man, 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 man. So here's the thing. So much of this that I was discovering about Peter had to do with this. I'm going to go back. Because I want to talk a little bit about my story. And so right before I went to Bible school, sorry, I'm catching up. Right before I went to Bible school in 2004, I had gone out to California. I was 20 years old, and I had tried to get myself cleaned up, tried to uh, stop doing some drugs, stop doing some alcohol, you know, whatever it was. It was just so much sin and so much just not understanding relationship with God or people. And uh, I was just doing my own thing. And I went out to California for a while, and I came back. And when I came back, it was just waiting for me. It never left. I made it three months on my, on my savings and uh, burned it up. And, man, I, uh, I'd gone back to fishing. I just decided it was time to party again. So when I got back, I spent about, um, Lord, thank you. Uh, I spent about a month and a half really just pouring myself into cocaine. I really just decided that's what I wanted to check out. And... I really wanted to, you know, experience life, and it was so fun, and it was so different, and my buddies weren't into it at all, and, you know, so that was weird, but I just was like, I don't care. I'm going to do my thing, and then finally, I just decided the week before I turned 20, I remember like it was yesterday, I decided I need to get out of here because if I don't, this is going to kill me. Satan wants to sift me like wheat. I didn't even know who God was. I didn't even, I knew who he was. I'd heard it my whole life. I grew up in church, all those things. But 
I didn't have a revelation of who God is. Transformation comes through revelation. Guys, we can't change what we don't understand. We can't change it unless we understand it. And I didn't know. I didn't know who God was, but I knew I had to get out. So I drove, I, uh, my buddy and I drove to uh, Wisconsin, and my brother just mentioned, he just said, why don't you go to Bible school? I'm like, whatever, God. I'm like, well, like, come on, Kyle. That's ridiculous. Like, are you kidding me? I just came to get away from that for a minute, clean myself up. And by clean myself up, I mean, I just wasn't doing cocaine. That trip, I was doing other things, but I wasn't doing cocaine. And so good for you, Kev. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> coffee stand notes uh so so i get there and i'm telling him i'm you know kind of walking through some of this probably giving him a load of crap and can you say that in the mic uh so i'm I'm telling him about all this stuff and uh i'm telling him that like hey you know i just i just need to clean myself up because things are crazy things are crazy right now i'm making horrible decisions uh you know i had been arrested once i had i had you know, made some just terrible, terrible calls. And I, he said, why don't you just go to Bible school? I was like, no, dude, get out of here. And so we went on to go on this bike ride. And the whole bike ride, you know, we're not talking. And I'm fat and out of shape. And I was like, fine. So I'm breathing real heavy, smoking a Newport on the, on the bike <laughs> while I'm riding 10 miles. And uh, really breathing heavy. And I really just couldn't get it out of my head. You know, I, I drove home that night, guys. Sunday night, I drove home that night, nine hours from Wisconsin to here. And I lived at my parents at the time. Bless your hearts. Thank you uh, for your love and unconditional love that has taught me how the Father loves me. Because even in that mess, you still were there for me. And I was an enemy of the estate. Um, anyway, so there's some grace that I just understand. And so I come home and I'm like, Mom, Dad, I, I, I got to go to Bible school. I said, what? I said, no, like Tomorrow. It's kind of the way we do things, apparently. And I just said, hey, like, tomorrow, like, I need to go. And I woke him up. Am I right? I'm telling this accurately. I woke them up at 11 o'clock at night. Like, my dad doesn't get up early enough. You know what I'm saying? I just decided to make him get up at 11. I said, no, I got to go, like, tomorrow. Mom's like, oh, can we talk about it in the morning? <laughs> no, like, we need to do it now. I need to tell you now because how many times have I laid in my bed saying, I'm going to change. Lord, I'm going to change. I'm going to be different. And I woke up the next day and nothing had changed. I didn't understand that grace and mercies were new every morning. I didn't understand that that was a real thing. All I understood was I said that last night because things were rough and I was lonely and I was tired and I was broken. I understood it the night before in the dark. What I didn't understand was that that morning I knew. Thank you, Jesus. I knew that I needed to tell them, and I needed them to understand that this was for real. Like, I got to go. So, yeah, sure enough, the next day, packed up, and uh, we're out of there. And uh, so, talk about dropping everything. I do understand it better than I even realized at the beginning of this sermon. Um, man, so the next day I went, and it wasn't for two weeks that I didn't have an encounter with the God. By the way, the name of this sermon, or that I, my thought processes that you guys are getting to be a part of, is encounters because it was an encounter with the God that I had two weeks later when I understood what he had done. He had brought me to where I needed to be to hear from him. He had taken me out of this, out of this broken, this foe, this enemy place, this, this place that, that, that was so against everything that he was there doing in my life. It was so against any of that and so without concern about who God was that I was just doing my own thing that he took me somewhere where I could hear his voice. And two weeks later, I laid there broken, and I said, God, I'm yours. 
Like, I don't know what this is, but I want it. I like it. There are people here today that have come like that. I believe it. People who have come today looking for, looking to, for an encounter. Looking for an encounter with an almighty God who has gone to the cross for all the things that we've done in our past. Who are sitting in these pews saying, I can't do that. I can't do what he's doing. Well, yeah, you can. Because are you kidding me? I'm up here mumbling my thoughts, telling you my story. God can use it. But you know what? He's going to use it. Why? Because I'm willing. Because I said, God, I, why else have you brought me out of those things? Man, 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 man. It's so good. So I went to Bible school. Things changed. And like Peter, here's what I find interesting. Let's, let's go back to Peter for a minute and tell a little bit more of his story. And we're going to connect the dots of Peter and my story, right? We're going to use Lion King too, but we've already talked about that. So we're up. So Peter... Peter's the dude that cut off the dude's ear. Jesus had to say, get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. He's also the dude who jumped out of the boat and walked on water. He said, can I come to you? You guys, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with Peter, you should take some time. Because Peter's also the dude that Jesus says, it's on this rock that I build my church. Why? Peter was a mess. He was loud and obnoxious. He was intense and arrogant and, and at times just nasty. I mean, how violent do you got to be to just hack somebody's ear off? And like how unthought, like you didn't think that through. Like they brought an army. Like, I got him. You know, I don't know. I found that quite funny when I was doing some studying because I thought, man, like why is this dude the rock? Why is this dude the rock upon which God's going to build his church? Well, here's why. Because if he used somebody who had it all together, none of us would feel like we could fit. Because if, if somebody came up here who, who didn't walk through any kind of junk, who didn't have an understanding of God's grace, who didn't understand that God loved them while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of the state, while we were enemies of the cross, while we were enemies of ourselves, that God loved us and died for us at that moment. If, if that was the case, if he used somebody like that, then what's the point? But no, he used somebody who was broken. Somebody who had a lot of energy, somebody who was overzealous, somebody who, who all of us can relate with at one point or another. And then he says, and when you repent, come find me and strengthen your brothers. Man. So Peter jumps out of the boat. He's intense. I wonder if, I wonder, and this was so good to me this morning. I thought this was interesting. And I don't know if it's for you or for me, but I'm going to say it anyway. Peter, I think he jumps out of the boat to swim to shore. I wonder if it didn't cross his mind that he might walk on water again. You know, I wonder if he thought that God was going to show up in the same way that he did before. I wonder if that when, when he realized, when John said, that's the Lord, if he didn't jump out of the boat thinking he was going to land on solid water, solid water, because he walked on water once with Jesus, right? So I thought, man, like, Lord, how much have I just assumed that you're going to come to me in these deep valleys the same exact way? Like, he doesn't. Why? Because he is... So we talked about transformation. The change in our lives comes through what? Revelation, understanding that a change needs to happen. I understood that if I didn't stop what I was doing, I was going to die. I was going to take myself to the grave because I enjoyed it way too much. And my addictive personality was in full, just awesome, whatever. And I was ready. I knew something had to change. A revelation, I understood. But revelation often doesn't come without resistance. Like if we don't have resistance in our lives, we go through some stuff. The, the disciples in that moment when Jesus, when Peter jumped out on the water with Jesus, there was a big storm going on. Like we're all walking through storms every day. And sometimes we're on top of it. Sometimes we're like, God, you got this. Sometimes we're walking in peace. Sometimes we're walking in that moment. 
You know, like this week preparing for this sermon, I'll be honest, it was an emotional storm, which is not a big deal because if you know me, I'm emotional anyway. I'm crying all the time. It's ridiculous. I'll talk right through them. I don't care. I don't care. I told Derek this morning, I said, ain't no big deal how much I've been crying this week. <laughs> I mean, like, like, come on. Come on. You know, we used to crack jokes at Bible school. If you ain't crying, the Lord's not there. Because, you know? man, it seemed like we were always crying. But the truth is, is that there's an innocence that happens when we're walking with the Lord, that our hearts begin to be pure, that, there's an, that we go back to an innocence that we never understood until we walk with the Lord, until we're with him, and there's a presence there. And I believe that that's why our hearts get soft. And I'm not saying that everybody has to cry. Look, you might be like, all right, look, I'm not a crier. That's fine. I'm not asking you to be a crier. I'm saying that there's a joy and a peace and an understanding and a surrender and an innocence that comes by walking with the Lord. And this week, like I started to say about the couple who, who's always chatting, that was really this week as I poured into myself into the Lord and asked the Lord, what do you want people to hear? And God was like, well, what do you want to hear? And I was like, well, I want to hear that I'm loved and that I'm accounted for and, and that you care and that you're there for me in all the hard times and all the struggles of my marriage. And, and every time I yell at my kids and every time I, I fall short of the glory of God, I, w- I want to know that you're there and that your grace is sufficient. He said, okay. Well, that's what they need to hear. I said, all right, Lord. All right. So everybody I came in contact with was hearing about my sermon. <laughs> we were hearing about it. Why? Because it was exciting, because it was a storm and because I was with the Lord. And I wanted people to know it. I wanted people to know it. And where are we at? Hey, look. That's awesome. So we go on down a little bit more to Peter, and here's, here's where it gets interesting, is that Peter had denied the Lord three times, right? How many times have you denied the Lord? We're not going to put you on trial. It's okay. Because if I had to answer that, it's not, I mean, it's not in here. And, but I think it's interesting that in that moment, the Lord understood that Peter was going to need something to come back to. He's going to need something to tether him. And here's what I realized is that, (laughs) here's what I realized is that when we're focused on our pain, and I know I said that earlier, when we're focused on our pain, all we see is the pain and the fear and the storm and the shame. We stop looking for Jesus. Jesus had already done some awesome stuff, right? He had already healed a bunch of people. Peter was a part of that. He had watched it. He put an ear back on. You know, the veil was torn. Like, how sick was that? The, you know, Jesus died on the cross. That was super intense. For us, we know the end. So for us, it's a little bit more exciting. But for him, this was the, the ultimate tragedy, right? This was the ultimate valley for them. Everything was crazy. They were criminals. They were enemies. They were, they were the, the capital was after them. Everything had gone crazy. What did Peter say? He's like, I'm out of here. He said, I'm back to fishing. I'm done. Why? How many, uh, man, how many times, guys? I use one, I, Beth, Matt, <laughs> pastor asked us last week to uh, think about our t- testimony, right? At the bottom of our, of our thing, what happened before Christ, what happened because of Christ, what happens after Christ, right? That's our testimony. I gave you one. I gave you one segment of my life. Is it significant? Absolutely. How many other testimonies can I tell you? A lot. Why? Because I have fallen short and I have failed so many times. But my encounters with the Lord in those moments, my encounters with the Lord in those times with other people, those struggles with other friends, with other family, those things that have happened, those are all testimonies. And people need to hear them. 
Now, they don't need to hear all of our junk. Like, you don't need to hear every single time I failed. The one I told you about was specifically put on my heart. Why? Because people, that's the kind of bondage that people, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I never did drugs. Well, good for you. I'm really happy for you. But there's some other things that you're bondage to. Maybe you're in bondage to food. Maybe, I mean, maybe you're in bondage to talking bad about other people. Maybe you're in bondage to, who knows, putting, you know, controlling your money without giving it to God. Like, I don't know what you're in bondage to, but come on, let's be real. Like, is it, again, if it's getting too real, like, I get it. I sit on the front row. Sometimes, it, sometimes it's too real. But the truth is we all have, we're all in bondage. So Peter had already seen all this. Peter had already seen God work in, 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 in time after time, testimony after testimony. Peter's got him, right? He's got him right in his back pocket. He'd whip him out any time. Man, look, God put an ear back on. You know, he picked me up out of the water when I fell. You know, like he, he did some. He got in the boat, sat down, and the storm sat down. You know, like there's some really cool stuff. But when it came to it, in the tragedy, when he was a criminal, when he was a fear of, in fear of chains and being broken down, what did he do? He ran back to what's familiar. You know, I don't, Memorial Day is a big deal. Uh, I was thinking about this idea of tragedy. And many of you know that I lost my brother a couple, three years ago. And so dealing with that tragedy, dealing with that epic hole in my life, man, it was so easy to just go back to what's familiar. It would have been so easy to just disappear from the church, disappear from my family, disappear from my kids. And I, and I, and I know that I'm certainly emotionally, I can't tell you as much what happened in that six months following that death. I know I did. I just checked out. I couldn't handle it. I had to go back to fishing. I had to get back in the boat. I had to go back for fish, not for people. I couldn't, I couldn't do life. You know, and as I read, I read some things about post-traumatic stress syndrome, and I thought about that. A lot of people think that that's just for people from war, but really, like, it's, it's tragedy. It's, it's tragedy. It's, it's any kind of trauma in our life, and often, what are the things we go back to? The familiar we go back to anger. We go back to rage. We go back to drugs. We go back to alcohol. We go back to eating whatever we want. We go back to taking control and taking it away from God. And all we see is our pain. And we don't ever see what God is doing anymore. We're not looking for Jesus. This was the third time he appeared to Peter. And he appeared to these disciples on the water. They didn't even see him. They didn't even recognize him. Like it wasn't this far removed. Right? How many times have we not seen Jesus in our life just after he does something great? Like he sets us free from a financial burden, the next week we're right back in it. Oh my gosh, God's not going to take care of me now. Like, wait a second. Like we can't memorial, like by setting these markers in place, this is, this is why I keep a journal and I wish I was better at it. I could go back to any number of dates and I can see what God was doing. Again, that's not to say I'm awesome, but it's like important to me. And so I find it, like we're right back to this, and I just think that in these moments, this is what God was doing. And, he's, and, and Peter had totally just, I'm going back to fishing. He had checked out. He checked out. I just, I'm stunned. When you repent, strengthen your brothers. 
So they sat on the shore. They had breakfast together with Jesus, which how epic. Like I pictured it with just this beautiful sunrise, like they'd fished all night. And, you know, like they just come up and here's Jesus doing some awesome stuff. And he's sitting by the fire, which it was by a fire that he denied Jesus. <laughs> so it was by a, by a fire that he restored Peter. But Peter denied him three times, but he also asked him if he loved him three times. Why? Because he was replacing, I think, because he was replacing. There's some things there, too, other things that we could talk about. But he was replacing some moments in Peter's life, restoring him back to a memory and saying, no, listen, I need you to remember this. I don't need you to remember your failures. I don't need you to only see your failures in the times when people come to you. I don't, Because I, I, it might be three, four people that come to us. You might be one of four that get to somebody that says Jesus loves you. And I'm not saying that's exactly how that goes, but by sharing God's love and grace in your own life, you end up giving other people hope, yeah. right? Like in, in the tragedy of losing my brother, I have found that I often help other people. Why? Because I've given it to the Lord, because I can't walk in that tragedy without him, because I can't, I can't, I can't weather that storm, guys. I can't weather that storm without him. And here's the crazy thing. I don't want to. Every once in a while, I try to hold it myself. Oh my gosh. Like that's a weight I can't bear. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. So I'll leave you with this. As Greg comes up, I think he's coming down. Man. Peter was a mess. Peter was broken. Peter was exhausted. Come on, like, running can't be easy. We've all done it. We've all run from the Lord one time or another. And if you haven't, when you repent, strengthen your brothers. If you haven't gone through a valley, man, if you haven't gone through some tragedy, if you haven't been in those moments that we find ourselves in a time where we need Jesus more than any other, if you haven't been through one of those moments, when you repent, when you realize that Jesus is there, when you come back to him, when you realize that he's there ready for you, strengthen your brothers. A mess, yes. Peter was a mess. <laughs> but it was beautiful and it was wild and it was perfectly in process. And God didn't leave him there. God said, no, come back to the shore. And Peter eventually goes to writing his will and testament. First and second Peter are fantastic. And one of the things that he writes in second Peter 1 this. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us according to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises and supplement, replace, supplement, work with your faith with a, with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge of self-control and self-control with patience, endurance and patience, patient endurance with godliness, godliness with brother, brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Written by Peter, the same dude. The same dude who was hacking on people, who cussed and said, I didn't know him. Caught eyes with Jesus and understood his failures more than anybody else. If we're walking in shame, guys, we're not being used. 
If we're, all we could see is our own shame and our own guilt from the decisions that we've made, we're broken. Duh. It's a mess. But God uses messes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness he was willing to use me today. Like you should thank him for using me. You should thank him and pray for me that I continue to walk in the calling that God's called me to walk in just as I'm praying for you. Just as this week as I understood the, the magnitude of this opportunity and every moment of my life led to this moment in time that I could tell you this story about myself and about Peter and about God's love and God's grace brought me to this moment for you and for myself. Let's be real. I'm learning things up here very same time you are because I'm a mess and it's beautiful and it's wild and it's perfectly in process and he knows the things that are going on in our life he knows the struggles that we have ahead and he says when we when when you see me right when you recognize that it's me strengthen your brothers put me first strengthen your brothers because people need us we go into this summer with this summer of wisdom like people need our stories guys like we all have one that's what he was talking about sharing the cards take a card with you that's why we have this thing on the wall that says for you why because we want to change a culture we want to change a world we want to bring the kingdom because people like me people who have walked through this stuff the grossness People who are currently just trapped in the bondage of drugs and alcohol, trapped in the bondage of of selfishness and, and fear and shame. Guys, they're kings. They're ready to find their destiny. They're ready to join what God has called them to do and be a part of bringing the kingdom. You guys have all played a role in my life getting here to this moment. Will you stand with me? These are the un- this unscripted series have been so solid for me because so much of my life seems unscripted. I'm working on that. Moral excellence, discipline, those are things I'm working on. Perfectly in process. But it's these moments in life, these tragedies, the good times, the bad, it's in those moments the moments where we feel lonely, where we feel unworthy, where we feel broken, where we feel like an enemy, when we feel like we're not good enough, that God's like, no, listen, listen, I, I endured it. I endured the cross so that you could be set free and that you could walk in the calling and the destiny that I've called you to. That's what he did. He took it upon himself. He took the, the most incredible pain that any of us could imagine and he turned it into something great. your heads with me, God. Thank you so much. Jesus, as we just spend some time turning our focus to you, turning our focus to the unscripted moments, to the frustrations in our life, the moments that we've encountered, God, the moments that we have, that we've run from you, that we've gone back to the boat that we've second-guessed anything that you've done or anything that you've said as we, as we really wrap our mind around your goodness and your grace in those moments. I pray that you will help us on this Memorial Day to remember those times 
to mark it out. The Bible says that you mark out a straight path for our feet. Jesus, I thank you that you're breaking off chains, that you're reminding people that they're loved, that you're reminding people that they're important, that you're reminding people that they're sons and daughters of the king and that they have a kingship duty and a kingship inheritance. Why? Because of faith and love in a Jesus Christ that died on the cross for our sins. I thank you so much for all that you've called us to do. It's in your name.